I feel a real connection to the natural world when I'm here because it is so wild. All you can hear is birdsong and the sound of the water moving around you and it's sort of deeply meditative. Welcome to Waterlands, a series brought to you by the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust, where we explore the watery places that once covered the lands through the stories of people and wildlife that have been shaped by them. I'm Roxy Furman, a zoologist and filmmaker. Today, we're finding out what wetlands do for our minds and bodies, from cutting-edge research into the benefits of blue spaces to blue prescribing. First, we find ourselves on the edge of a pond in Gloucestershire with the fashion designer Savannah Miller and her great friend Sarah Guise, who runs the Rewild Swim Club. Hi, I'm Sarah Guise. We are at Bottomless Pond, so-called because the water is very deep and it is surrounded by old oak trees and it is on the edge of the Elmore Court estate which is 900 acres of land and 250 acres of that is being designated for a rewilding project where we are going to do tree planting and we are going to create new wetlands on the land and stock it with native animals and the pond sits within that and it's spring fed and just by the River Severn. So there were hundreds of ponds like this by the River Severn and they fed all the ancient orchards that were down here and then as the agricultural land was required after the war these ponds were filled in and we're just very lucky that this one still exists. Savannah Miller during the first lockdown, a group of us basically got together and came down to this pond, which is basically a perfect circle in between very tall rushes and reeds. And we, we came to swim and learn about cold water swimming and the benefits of cold water swimming. And I, I hate being cold. I really do not like being cold. So for me, the notion was just absolutely preposterous that this was something that I would want to do. But because we started in May, we got very used to the decrease in temperature. Obviously, now we know the colder it is, the better it feels because you get this extraordinary endorphin rush from the cold water. Essentially, coming here was like a church for me it became like a religion because I would meet the same women every week and the benefits of cold water therapy is deeply deeply restorative and extremely good for your mental health and honestly I don't know how we would have got through that lockdown without this body of water it totally saved us and then during the winter time because we declimatized to the cold water we were able to retain that relationship with nature that was so deeply nourishing for all of us and you know I remember swimming here in the rain with Sarah and watching these huge raindrops bouncing off the surface of the pond and ordinarily if you were going for a walk in the rain you'd wrap yourself up and shield yourself against the the elements but this was totally embracing of the beautiful sense of wonder that that brought back just watching these raindrops literally bouncing off the surface it was it was incredible so yeah it's been a, a, a it's my church i would say <laughs> once we came here and we were swimming and we saw a 
beautiful heron standing at the side of the water's edge. It's incredible. There are two heronries, there are two nests up at the up at the woodland bank. And um, this winter, for some reason, every time you came down here, it's about 14 herons who are in the field just there. They pick this field, I don't know why. And so they're always all around. But what's so wonderful as well is there's a kingfisher that lives over there in that tree. And when that comes out and you're swimming in a freezing cold morning and it's just that bright flash of blue, it's incredible to see it and swim near it. So I grew up in London and we didn't have any real natural experiences. Our children come here now, don't they? And they swim, Sarah, and they just love it. They can't wait to get in the water and they don't care what time of year it is or how cold or hot they are. Um, they just want to swim and play in the water. I just think as humans now, we have so little connection with nature. It's so easy to just live a very nuclear life indoors on concrete. And actually, we need it. We're animals too. We need to be with our feet on the ground. We need to be immersing ourselves in it in order to understand fully how much trouble it's in and how much it needs all of us to rally around and do everything we can to protect our natural environment. And I think the fact that I didn't have it as a child has, has only served me to love it more because I appreciate it so, so much. And the scientific evidence backs up that love of being in the wild outdoors and what it does for our physical and mental health. Here's Dr Lewis Elliott, lecturer at the European Centre for the Environment and Human Health in Exeter. When you go to a natural environment, there are many stimuli which are softly fascinating, so they hold your attention, but do it in an effortless way. For example, a flock of birds or the waves moving or something like that. And research shows that natural environments, like wetlands, can actually impact the way our bodies respond to stress. From kind of blood pressure and heart rate through to stress-related cortisol, which is a kind of hormone that's released. And what's really good about this research is it shows not only if you're exposed to a natural environment, that helps you recover from stress better, but also if you're exposed to a natural environment, it helps you to deal with stress better as well. So even though you'll still be stressed, it will be stressed to less of an extent. So if you're thinking about taking a walk at lunchtime or on your commute, consider how you can incorporate natural spaces into your daily life. Some places can have more of a positive impact than others. There was a study in 2013 that used millions of people across the country and got them to sort of rate their happiness throughout the day and recorded their GPS location. And almost, you know, conclusively, people were always happier when they were in marine and coastal margins compared to all other types of environment in the UK. So visiting these environments is likely to, you know, have a little boost in your kind of emotions and things. We also find in some of our own research at the centre that people tend to spend longer in aquatic environments than other kinds of natural environments. And if they spend longer there, they're likely to be more active. And if they're more active, that's also linked to different kinds of mental health benefits and physical health benefits as well. And there's other research that shows you have different qualities of social interactions at these spaces as well. And we know that social contact, reducing isolation, reducing loneliness is a really important factor in mental health improvement as well. But why are wetlands particularly good for our health? Dr Joe Garrett is also a researcher at the European Centre for the Environment and Human Health. 
I think we find that quality of an environment is associated with the well-being benefits people might get when they visit. So that's things like the water quality and presence of wildlife. So because wetlands should have good water quality and often have lots of birds present, for example, I think these types of environments offer these kind of good quality blue spaces that can be particularly beneficial. But for some, these life-enhancing blue spaces are out of reach. Not everyone has access to blue space near to where they live. For example, not everyone can live by the sea. But wetlands, for example, often offer the opportunities for more people, particularly inland, to have access to these blue spaces and to large expanses of blue spaces. And considering how the world has lost so so much of its wetlands, then potentially restoration of wetlands also offers people inland these opportunities to benefit from sort of large expanses of water. This is so important, and it's why WWT is focusing on trying to build more wetlands into urban spaces where the majority of people live. As Joe explains, we all need to experience the benefits of being in a space where you can see gently moving crystal clear water and all the wildlife that comes with it. But just observing a watery spot might not be appealing for you, and that's okay too. It's important to find find your own reason for getting outside and into nature. And this can be a whole range of things, physical activity, like maybe there's a sport or activity you enjoy outside, or learning about your nearby environment, or sitting and reading a book, or meeting your friends there. I think there's a whole range of activities and benefits that you can get from being outside into blue spaces. And it's about finding one which works for you. Research has shown that simply being in nature for 10 minutes can have a beneficial effect on stress. Kerry Louise is a psychotherapist and mindfulness practitioner, working with WWT to run courses in Nature Connection. She has a simple exercise she uses to help connect people to the natural world, which you can try. We tend to be very busy as we rush from one activity to another. And this is a way of helping to create a little bit of pause in your life. If you'd like to find a place outdoors uh, where you can listen to the sounds, Uh, you might like to sit down somewhere. But the idea is that you just listen to the sounds and you just immerse yourself in the soundscape and just see how many different sounds that you are able to pick up and notice. When you've finished doing that, after about five minutes, you might like to get your a piece of paper, a pen or pencil, and then see if you can create a mark for the different sounds that you hear. So for each bird song, or maybe you can hear, like I can now, dog barking, the wind blowing, just create some sort of mark on your paper to represent those different sounds. This is not about being good at art, it's about exploring your responses to the sounds that you can hear around you. And you may have sort of jaggedy lines for the sound of um, a chainsaw, you may have very fluid lines for the different types of birdsong. It's just an opportunity for you to explore your responses to the different sounds and and to recognise that rich, rich soundscape around you. So give it a go. 
and uh, you just need to spend about five minutes sketching and identifying the different sounds and then uh, see what you've created and it's really a fun exercise to do with other people and then for you to be listening to the same soundscape and see how differently you represent the different sounds. So this is a very beautiful and grounding exercise. Will Freeman is a health and wellbeing officer at WWT. Alongside Kerry Louise, he runs courses in Blue Prescribing, a pioneering nature-based health programme enabling people to be active, take notice of wildlife and connect with other people in wetland settings, all to help people improve their mental health. This stems from the growing move towards social prescribing. It's an approach that moves away from asking, what is the matter with you, towards what matters to you. In partnership with the Mental Health Foundation, Will has run courses in WWT reserves, like Stirt Marshes, the wild coastal landscape in Somerset. Recently, actually, only the other week, we were up on the peninsula at Stirt Marshes and a flock of birds flew over the top. And many people had never experienced that before. Uh, you know, birds going over the top of them and the sound and the feeling of that, of the beating wings. One person was talking about the fact that they, whenever they would go anywhere and they would walk along, they would just be looking at the ground. And this is quite specific to struggles in mental health, is that you often disconnect from yourself and your body and you often also disconnect from your surroundings. They said one of the experiences of coming over this period of time is that it's opened up the world around them. I come through medicine, actually, medical sciences, and also anthropology. And those two kind of come together at this lovely nexus of uh, the very human relationship with the natural world and how that relates to health. I've also been through these initiatives. This is how I got involved with them. A lot of it was for me going and searching for alternative ways that I might support myself and, and, and meet others, whereas more traditional approaches weren't really for me in, in that sense. And I think wetlands are very interesting in this. Wetlands have this very open feeling where you can, you can see quite far and there's these horizons that you can follow and things like this. And I think especially after isolation, and this is from seeing this experiences on the ground, is people are saying it's really kind of opening up their world slightly. You know, we've come out of, of intensive lockdowns. Many people are still going in, um, into them and still in them. And it's been a very closed off world. So being able to connect with other people and their environments in a space which feels very open has been really, really uh, impactful, I think. This interaction with wildlife, you often don't necessarily get to do that in lots of places. Um, you know, you might go somewhere and go for a walk in the woods and it feels incredibly beneficial and it is. And you might smell the soil or feel what it's like to be in that cool environment. But you might not see or interact with, with anything other than maybe other humans walking. But when you go to wetlands, you see these changing tides, excuse the pun, of lots of different wildlife, all sorts of birds. I mean, murmurations more and more are becoming things that people want to go to. And the reason why is just because they're so spectacular, the awe in that. 
and the kind of curiosity in why do they do this? <laughs> why are they dancing in the sky like this? Um, is massive. So I think there's a lot more to be said for the variety of experience that you can have there. And also I would, I would go in to say, because I'm a very practical person, accessibility too. Uh, a lot of these places are flat. Uh, <laughs> they might have pathways that are easier to get uh, get around, and and that makes a big difference to how how many and and often people can access these places. One another thing about wetlands, which is great, is that we've forgotten a lot of what grows there, which is um, it's quite big in for indigenous cultures in North America, actually. But things things like the fact that bulrush, a lot of them are edible. You can create pancakes from the pollen, which is an amazing thing to do with people. But uh, one thing that we do is we cut willow, a lot of willow from our site, and we can use that willow to do projects to make things. So we recently made a uh, longhorn cattle, and that was with people of the community and and we've just started making a couple of calves actually with another with another group so there's lots of options for these kind of really interactive very sort of get your hands dirty get your hands involved activities i like things that work and i also like things that are clearly impactful and, and are meaningful to the people who are actually there you know like the people living in those places and thinking about making places more livable and for improving livelihoods on a broader scale than necessarily just the individual is is amazing. I mean, people really, for me, it was a big part of looking to belong somewhere. I grew up in Somerset, so I still work there and it's a very, very, I have a very strong connection with those places and probably I'm still learning about the kinds of things that informed me when I was younger. Um, such as, you know, when we might go down Kingfisher to jump in the river and things like this. They do really inform the ways that you experience the world later on and you can take those for granted. So it's, it's been a really reflexive time. But again, like I said, I've been through these, uh, so I have this personal experience and being involved with this is incredibly impactful. Difficult, up and down, messy as life is, but also incredibly profound. Savannah Miller. The wonder of this pond and bringing it back to what, why we're here today, I mean, is that swimming in this water and connecting to nature in this way and helping people to rediscover their internal strength through nature is so powerful. I, I just honestly cannot emphasise enough how much this swimming through Sarah's Swim Club has, has changed my life. I just feel like everybody should do it. Sarah Guys. What I think is so powerful about swimming and, and swimming year round, I think it's that small act of bravery that everybody can do. And you just look up at the sky and the nature and I think you remember that you are part of a much bigger world. And so I think your problems just wash away. And I think it also fosters an incredible sense of community. Mm. I think it's a real shortcut to connection mm. because you can sometimes just be in for a few minutes but you've shared that experience with other people and it stays with you all day. To find out more about the work that the WWT does to help protect wetlands, habitats and wildlife, go to wwt.org.uk. 
And Elmore Court Wild Pond is open part of the week for the public to wild swim. Two mornings and one evening. You can book it at www.rewildswimclub.com. Waterlands is an 1860 production for the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust. The producer was Eliza Lomas. <laughs>